Welcome to Right to Life of Michigan's Lifebeat. I'm your host, Chris Gast, on this truly momentous today. Uh, I'm flying solo today uh, from an undisclosed location. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm at home uh, recording this on my webcam microphone and not our fancy mixer and multiple mic setup we have now. So I apologize for the audio quality, but uh, what a day. Today we're talking about Roe versus Wade. Maybe it's the last day I ever have to talk about that terrible U.S. Supreme Court decision. Today, the United States Supreme Court, uh, by a vote of 5-4 to four in favor of actually overturning Roe v. Wade, they did that. And here we are. And what comes next? I don't know. It's up to the people. Uh, today, let's talk about, we'll go into the opinions and what they actually say. Uh, but first, I just kind of wanted to talk about you know, what, what's it like to be a pro-life uh, person, not just a person, but who has spends all of his time professionally uh, and even outside of the office on a volunteer leadership basis? You know, what's it like to see the decision? Um, it was a surreal experience. So uh, SCOTUS blog is a, a great news website that I always follow. Uh, but now the Supreme Court, since COVID, they just post their decisions online uh, in 10 minute intervals. So everyone can go to the page, read it immediately and see the result. And, and that's what I did. Um, and so I'm just sitting there on the Supreme Court's website at 10, 10 a.m. on June 24, 2022, clicking my F5 key, you know, refreshing the page. And there I see it pops up. Um, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. And in the little opinion column, it said A. A for Alito, Sam Alito, who wrote the majority opinion. And then that's the moment that we knew that Roe versus Wade was overturned. Um, and it was a surreal moment, the nervousness of what's the Supreme Court going to do? Because quite unprecedented in a modern era, the opinion, the draft opinion, which really wasn't changed very much, was released. Uh, weeks ago, and so everyone kind of knew, and there was all this pressure, and lately, as we've talked about a little bit, attacks on pro-life organizations and whatnot, uh, an attempted assassination of Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, you know, what was going to happen? Were they going to bend under the pressure, as we've seen Supreme Court justices do in the past, as we saw them do in 1992, where the initial vote was to overturn Roe versus Wade, and then that vote was changed uh, at the last minute. Uh, so just excitement, seeing the decision, you know, briefly celebrating, but then, you know, you kind of think through the implications. Now what? And so just a lot of mixed emotions, at least for me personally. I don't want to speak for the entire uh, pro-life movement, but it's just me on the podcast. So, um you know, just concern over the safety of pregnancy centers and our staff uh, because the other side is so very angry. Uh, angry myself, you know, the media has done such a poor job reporting this for so long that people aren't going to really understand what was actually decided today, which, you know, we'll get into in a few minutes. Um, 
and, and the other side just worked themselves up into a lather and no one really has said anything about it. Uh, the president, through his press secretary, to his credit, did say, you know, don't be violent. But even House Speaker Nancy Pelosi was asked to denounce this terror campaign of arson and vandalism, and she didn't answer it. You know, what does that say? Governor Gretchen Whitmer goes around telling people to fight like hell for abortion. Um, what's the message that people take from that? Um, yeah, uh, thinking about all the pro-life people who've been involved in our movement for years or decades or even since the beginning, since 1972 in Michigan, who got to see this today, um, and so many of them who have died and who, who didn't get to be here, all kind of the architects and leaders of the early pro-life movement uh, who tried after Roe versus Wade to pass this constitutional amendment to overturn the decision and failed, and then 10 years later deciding, you know, we just have to get rid of this decision itself. How do we do that? We got to take the U.S. Senate. You know, we got to appoint justices who are fair. How long is this going to take? And a lot of pro-life people thought that they'd never see this day. Um, and it's here. And it, it's kind of surreal. Um, you know, there you want to celebrate because, again, I mean, a professional level, I've been working for this for almost 20 years now. Um, and I've had so many arguments with people on, on both sides who oppose or support abortion who said, that's never going to happen. You're, you know, you're wasting your time. Uh, give up. Um, you know, and they were wrong because we're here. Um, all the stuff with the election, you know, when Donald Trump was running in the primary, he was not the most popular candidate in the office, we'll say. Uh, a lot of people had doubts about his pro-life commitments, whether he'd follow through on his promises for the Supreme Court nominations, whether he could beat Hillary Clinton, and defying all odds that he did that. And if you told me uh, eight years ago that Donald Trump would be the president most responsible for overturning Roe versus Wade, I would have laughed in your face and thought you were stupid. Well, I guess I'm the stupid one. Um, you know, and all the work that we put in to actually win Michigan for Donald Trump, which was, we haven't had a pro-life uh, candidate win in Michigan for the presidency since the Reagan administration. Um, all of that, you know, you want to celebrate. Uh, you don't want to celebrate too much. You know, there's always the old adage, don't spike the football and being a good sportsman. Although this isn't really a sports issue. This is a life and death issue. Uh, so many deaths, more than 61 million human beings, lives were stolen by this egregious and unjust Roe versus Wade decision. And so it's tempting to spike the football, uh, even on friends and family who right now are kind of resenting, you know, maybe what you might think about abortion and think you're nuts and you're crazy. Um, I think about my own story. I, I was an unplanned pregnancy, you know. I was only here because of, you know, the willingness of people to oppose abortion. Um, you know, what is it like when other people you argue with are basically claiming, well, you deserve to die. You know, it's hard. But, you know, spiking the football doesn't do any good for those people. It's not going to help them uh, reach the right views on abortion. It's not going to help be persuasive. Um, 
you, maybe it's going to demoralize them a little bit. But, you know, the other side, of course, is feeling very bad, but they're quite defiant. Um, back in 1973, the abortion movement predicted it'd be the end of the pro-life, the nascent pro-life movement. Back in 92, the Supreme Court all but said this pro-life movement needs to go away. Uh, and that obviously didn't happen because these people don't control the universe. And neither do I, nor does Right to Life of Michigan. Um, so before we get into the decision itself, you know, where do we go from here in Michigan? Abortion is technically legal. Our old law from 1846, updated in 1931, is the law of the land in the state of Michigan. However, a, uh, a judge for the Court of Claims has an injunction blocking enforcement of our now, in effect, legally, according to court precedent, law. Uh, this justice who tried to get the Michigan Supreme Court to create a right to abortion, who's worked for Planned Parenthood, who's received an award, who's a major donor to their organization. Um, right now, she's the one standing in the way between unborn children and living their lives. Um, what will happen with that? It's been sent to the Court of Appeals regarding this injunction. Governor Whitmer has her own lawsuit before the Supreme Court that they're considering. Um, it's kind of a jumbled mess as it's going to be dealing with all these states and different laws and when do these laws go into effect and how can they be enforced and it, it, it really comes down to almost personality who are the public officials in these states and what are they going to do and so i can't tell you what the story is going to be in michigan i can't tell you what's going to happen tomorrow i can't tell you what's going to happen a week from now all i can tell you is because of this decision once again the people of michigan uh, if the courts do their job and don't create a state-level Roe versus Wade, uh, which would be laughably egregious, um, people of Michigan have their say, and so do the people of the 49 other states in the Union. So uh, let's get into the decisions themselves. I mean, that really was the bottom line, is uh, Justice Samuel Alito wrote the opinion uh, how it works is when the justices go and vote, the justice with the most seniority, uh, if it's not the chief justice in the winning side, decides who gets to write the opinion. And so in this case, um, there were six votes to uphold Mississippi's law, and, and those were Justices Alito, Thomas, Gorsuch, Barrett, Kavanaugh, and Chief Justice Roberts. However, there was only a five to four vote majority to overturn Roe versus Wade, which I'll get into that distinction in a moment. Uh, and so Clarence Thomas uh, assigned, presumably assigned the opinion to Sam Alito to write. And uh, Alito's opinion is a masterful work. And I'm not just saying that because I obviously agree with the result. Um, not like the other side and going to call a, you know, a banana an orange. Um, why it was so good? Because it was very simple. Actually, in a sense, it was almost too long and a little too detailed. Uh, me saying something too detailed, that's weird. But um, the crux of it is basically, look, there's no right to abortion in the Constitution. There never was. There hasn't been. Uh, Roe versus Wade has never been accepted. And so we're overturning it. And that means that the decision goes back to the state's and in essence, to the voters and their elective representatives to decide. Um, Alito's opinion is uh, fairly long. 
And the reason it is, is because he doesn't just say these things which are true. He really does go to great lengths to explain why that's the case. So first of all, he, he gets rid of this whole idea that um, you know, the 14th Amendment and all these other amendments that the other side claims the right to abortion is found in. Apparently you have to read half of the, <laughs> half of the Bill of Rights and other amendments and pick and choose little tiny words, you know, kind of like a hostage letter with newspaper letters to kind of assemble an opinion that says abortion is constitutional. Uh, abortion is mandated by the Constitution. Uh, and that's simply not the case. Uh, a lot of Alito's opinion focuses on the history because you know, the other side really doesn't have a case. Legally, uh, what they try to base their reasoning on upholding Roe versus Wade was, well, uh, abortion is a, you know, important historical uh, right that has been a, a feature of America for a long time. Um, and the reason they're saying that is because this is really interesting. In the Glucksburg case, uh, about 25 years ago, the Supreme Court heard a case about assisted suicide. And the Supreme Court rejected the argument that the 14th Amendment Due Process Clause creates a right to uh, euthanasia or assisted suicide. And the Supreme Court said, well, there's, there's no history or tradition of that right in America. So we can't just say that the 14th Amendment covers something that there's no actual tradition on. Uh, it was actually a 9-0 Supreme Court decision in favor of not allowing assisted suicide, even though uh, I think the four at the time liberal justices in the case kind of hinted that they think assisted suicide is great. Um, nevertheless, they voted with a majority. And that was the case that in uh, Sam Alito's opinion uh, that he cited saying that, uh, well, the Supreme Court has said that if you want to do this with the 14th Amendment, there has to be some history or tradition. And in abortion, there is none. Uh, so it's kind of ironic that that assisted suicide case lent a hand here uh, to the abortion case. Uh, and I should also point out that uh, if anyone has read Alito's opinion when it leaked, this was almost the same, plus sections dealing with the dissent and John Roberts' opinion, which I'll get to in a second. So Justice Alito then went through the actual history, like, okay, what was the laws of the country at the time of the 14th Amendment? What were the common law tradition? You know, before we had laws that were written down as like statutes that anyone could look up and read, uh, law was based on uh, traditions and principles that courts would expound upon uh, through precedent, uh, which that sort of common law tradition we still have today in how courts generally respect um, precedents and prior decisions uh, just so that life is not a jumbled mess of personalities, that's what the Congress and legislature are for, um, instead of principle. And uh, so there was no tradition, you know, in the common law allowing abortion, even though the other side has sort of created their own, uh, you know, historical fiction that says there is, it's not really true. Uh, he kind of takes the uh, solicitor general to task and the dissenters to task for fudging this history. Um, you know, I was kind of telling during the oral arguments in the case, uh, he specifically asked, I think it was the Solicitor General, you know, what is this all this abortion history based on? Who is this guy that did this? What's his name? And the Solicitor General couldn't even name the person that their entire, you know, legal case was based on. 
Not a good sign. Uh, he goes through in a lengthy appendix to his decision, a list of all these state laws, and just pointing out that abortion was not accepted in America, you know, in 1789. It wasn't accepted before that. It wasn't accepted after that. Abortion was not accepted when the 14th Amendment was passed in the 1860s or the 1870s or the 80s, the 90s. It wasn't accepted at the turn of the century. It wasn't accepted... Uh, at the time of World War One or the Great Depression or World War Two or the Korean War uh, or the beginning of the Cold War, it wasn't accepted at any point in the 60s. A few states had begun to pass abortion laws allowing it. Uh, there was pro-life pushback in some of these states. New York had kind of famously legalized abortion and uh, kind of horrified at what was happening. The New York legislature voted to re-ban abortion, uh, which was vetoed by the very pro-abortion Republican governor at the time, Nelson Rockefeller of the Rockefeller family fame. Uh, abortion was not generally accepted as part of the American tradition on January 22nd, 1973, when the Supreme Court, by a vote of 7-2, to two, handed down Roe v. Wade and Doe v. Bolton and said abortion is legal through all nine months of pregnancy. Abortion is totally legal in the first three months, it's totally legal in the uh, second trimester, but you can maybe regulate you know, where those abortions have to take place. And then the Supreme Court said, uh, you can ban abortion in the third trimester, but then in Doe versus Bolton, you know, they said, uh, you know, any ban has to have a health exception and the health exception includes everything. Uh, and the Supreme Court did that to deliberately deceive the public, reporters and society, and it worked. For 50 years, it worked. And people really didn't understand that abortion was legal through all nine months of pregnancy in the country. And so after all the stuff that happened along comes Mississippi um, with a 15-week abortion ban. Uh, you know, there's been some argument in the pro-life movement that you have to do this law or you have to pass this law specifically. It was a 15-week abortion ban with some pretty not-so-great exceptions in it from Mississippi that at least the Mississippi Attorney General was willing to take that ball, however ugly it looked, and ran with it and scored a touchdown. And hopefully we don't spike the ball again too hard. Because we realize maybe you're listening here on the radio or you came to our website because you're angry and you don't agree with us. And you know what? We understand that. Uh, maybe you just would need to understand that that's been our mindset for half a century now. 50 years of that. Uh, and now we don't live in a world where the pro-lifers hit an instant I win button with a cheat. They simply said abortion is neutral. And that's really the bottom line of Alito's opinion um, is that it's going back to the states. Abortion was never a, an accepted tradition. We can't uphold a precedent that was egregiously wrong when it was decided because no one will really defend Roe versus Wade on the legal merits, not even Ruth Bader Ginsburg would. Um, and so we're not going to uphold this terrible precedent. There is no tradition. Even after Roe versus Wade, abortion has never been accepted in America, which is why we're here today, which is why there is now a majority on the U.S. Supreme Court. It's because elected officials uh, and voters put them there through our democratic process. So um, there are a couple other opinions that go along with it. Usually it's not just the majority opinion. Um, some other justices want to have their say. Uh, Clarence Thomas had his say in a little concurring opinion. 
Uh, and in it, he basically said that uh, substantive due process, which is the you know, kind of fakakamemi legal standard that was used to justify abortion, you know, that should be revisited. Um, that's getting a lot of press because in it, he mentions a lot of decisions, controversial that have been made uh, in recent years. And he's saying like these, you know, substantive due process is bad. And if you want to support these uh, decisions, they need to be based on something uh, like the privileges and immunities clause, I believe he said, or something else in the Constitution. Like, you know, this this is not a sound legal basis for these things. And the other side is taking that and running with the ball saying, see, this abortion case was really about all these other things. Nope, about abortion. And uh, Justice Kavanaugh had his own opinion to make that very clear. He just wanted to stress, as he was doing in the oral arguments, that what the Supreme Court is doing today is neutrality. Uh, the Constitution doesn't say anything about abortion. Um, obviously, the goal of the pro-life movement is eventually to have a constitutional amendment uh, that protects the unborn child, but that's not in there. Um, Justice Kavanaugh went to great pains to explain that uh, the, the Constitution is silent on abortion, and, you know, this is a neutrality, and that's what that is. Uh, you know, <laughs> Justice Kavanaugh, always trying to be the nice guy. Um, and then we had two other opinions. We had a concurring opinion. So to explain the confusion, you know, Justice Roberts said Mississippi's law should be upheld, but we shouldn't have overturned Roe versus Wade. And in his concurring opinion, he explains why. And one change that uh, Justice Alito did do to his opinion was to take that into account. And uh, Justice Alito rightly takes Chief Justice John Roberts to the woodshed for his, in essence, cowardice. Um, John Roberts, in his concurrence, mentions that you know Roe versus Wade, you know, is bad because it just had this justification plucked out of thin air. But then, as Justice Alito points out, uh, Justice Roberts wanted to uphold Mississippi's law but keep Roe versus Wade with some sort of principle that's plucked out of thin air. That doesn't make any sense. As Alito points out, you know, neither side in this argued for that. One side said overturn Roe. The other side says uphold it. Both sides said this whole idea that viability matters from a legal standpoint. You know, that both pro-abortion and pro-life sides said that's wrong. Um, none of the amicus briefs, you know, the friend of the court briefs that were filed in the case, and there were a ton of them, no one in any of them really said, you know, wanted to go with Chief Justice. You know, in a, in a large sense, the cheese stands alone. Chief Justice John Roberts himself says the majority opinion is well-written um, and coherent and kind of agrees that Roe versus Wade is wrongly decided, and then he just fesses up to not having the courage to overturn it uh, because, because, because. Um, and Justice Leo kind of calls him out for it. Now, while the Chief Justice stands alone legally and between the two groups, to be honest, you know, most of the public is with John Roberts. They're very confused. Um, I would say, you know, probably two thirds of the country is very uncomfortable with abortion. Maybe the other two thirds is also uncomfortable, uh, with banning it. Um, and so y you have a lot of people in the middle who just don't know what to believe and just don't know how to handle it. And Chief Justice John Roberts' opinion will kind of speak to them. However, that's not how our system of government works. The law is the law. Uh, and if the people want a compromise and that's something they need to enact legislatively, or actually in the Constitution itself, it is not for judges 
to manage America. That is not their role. And so sadly, I mean, it seems now the Chief Justice would be a vote in favor of uh, upholding Dobbs. So now, I guess technically from a legal standpoint, uh, he's fine with overturning Roe, but his opinion, I think, is one that history is going to look at as just perplexing and, you know, cowardice, really, cowardice. Um, one thing I will not accuse the other side of, and the dissenting justices, is, is cowardice uh, at all. They certainly have strong opinions. Um, but I'm going to put a little confession out here. I could not make it through the dissenting opinion. Uh, the dissenting opinion was fairly long. Uh, it wasn't that that dissuaded me. Um, I got about, I don't know, 10 paragraphs into the dissenting opinion by uh, Kagan, Breyer, and Sotomayor, and I just couldn't read it anymore. The opinion starts out by saying Roe versus Wade was, you know, a balanced decision. Balance. The Supreme Court stepping in to overturn the laws in all 50 states, even permissive states like California, New York, that's not balance. A decision that says abortion is legal goes from practically illegal in the vast majority of states to utterly illegal through all nine months of pregnancy. That's not balance. You know, a decision that for 20 years prevented even things like parental consent and informed consent laws that we had to kick and scratch and fight for. That's not balance. You know, how did they write that with a straight face? It's garbage. It's one thing to say, you know what, we think abortion should be illegal and we don't care. Um, but they can't say that. They have to maintain, you know, that they're judges and that they actually care about what the law says. But that, I guess, in its own sort is an intellectual cowardice, you know. Roe versus Wade is not balance. The fact that only 20 to 30% of Americans support the result, that's not balance. The fact that the pro-life movement's been around for 50 years, you know, addressing this is not balance. The fact that it took two trips to the U.S. Supreme Court just to legalize a ban on partial birth abortion, which again, for those of you not aware, the baby is born, half born, the head is still in the birth canal, and stabbed in the head and their brains are suctioned out. And the first trip to the U.S. Supreme Court, the Supreme Court said Roe versus Wade means that has to stay legal. That is not balance. That is indefensible. And as Alito's opinion addresses the other kind of change that was made to it since it was leaked, he takes the dissenters to task for saying they have no case. They have nothing. Roe versus Wade was based on nothing, and so now it's gone. Forever. Hopefully. Um, and, and that's true. And just from what I've heard today, the other side's talking a lot about all these other cases and abortion itself. And look, there's these great corporations paying women to go have abortions. And okay, but one thing you're not hearing is any of them actually defend the merits of the case, which is what the court is supposed to be about. So uh, I would encourage you, uh, if you're of a legal mind, read the opinion. Justice Alito's opinion was very well crafted. Um, it steered clear of politics, which is what some of us maybe would have liked to have seen from a Clarence Thomas opinion. Um, it's workmanlike. It just addresses the history and explains plainly why Roe versus Wade was egregiously wrong when it was decided. It's still wrong today. 
And so it has been overturned and the issue is returned to the states and the voters. Uh, if you have any need more information about abortion, you know, you're going to hear a lot of conversations in the coming days, and that's great. Uh, always go to our website. Right to Life Michigan's website is rtl.org. We have all the information you need. Email us, call us. We're here for you. Um, we're not going away no matter what the other side threatens, which hopefully uh, dies down in a couple days in terms of uh, any violence or riots. Who knows? We'll see. Um, don't be afraid to be pro-life in this new era, but we have so much work before us and uh, celebrate today, maybe celebrate over the weekend, but we got to go back to work Monday because there are millions more lives that need to be saved. Uh, but we can be thankful that today, in a lot of states, babies aren't dying. That's a wonderful thing. That's all we have for this edition. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful weekend.